Well, I appreciate um, the opportunity. Uh, last week, I went back to my old youth ministry days uh, last weekend, and I appreciate Jonathan Powell preaching in my absence. Um, as uh, I was with 32 of our middle school and high school kids, along with nine other adults who were crazy like me, they decided to take them on a trip to Gatlinburg for the weekend. And we went to a convention in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, the uh, Tennessee Christian Teen Convention, which we've been going to for many years. And I tell you, I was very encouraged, y'all, because there were uh, 5,000 other students there from all over the Southeast, and the kids were really challenged by great music on their level, of course, and some young speakers that really challenged them and preached to them from the Bible. And I was really encouraged at the messages the kids were hearing and their response to those messages. So very encouraged by that. And as many of y'all know, we now have a new youth minister, Dee Martin, and he started this week. And we'll introduce Dee at the end of the service. But we're very excited to get him on board with us here at Southwest. And I also want to welcome those who are joining us via um, a live stream today. We're always glad to have y'all with us in the service. Well... I've been doing a sermon called Looking Back to Move Forward, and I started that actually on December 31st, and then of course last week Jonathan preached, but um, I don't know how many of y'all know, but George Washington, obviously you know he was the first president of the United States, but he was, uh, uh, had the opportunity to run for a third term, but George Washington opted out of that third term. And before he left office, he wrote a message to the American people, and it was an important farewell address. And in that address, he left his fellow citizens some advice and things that he had gleaned from over 40 years of his public service, not only as the president, but as in the military and all the things that went into making our country in its infant stages start to move forward. And this advice ranged from urging national unity to the role of morality, virtue, and religion. And scattered throughout George Washington's 1796 farewell address were three prophetic warnings for the American people to beware as they move forward into this nation called the United States. And these three things were geographical sectionalism, political factionalism, and interference by foreign powers. And when Washington decided to finally step down from office and retire to private life, these were what he believed to be the three greatest threats to the union of the United States. And again, after 40 years as a public servant, all that he had seen moving from England to the United States and all that fight to get to be the United States, Washington was not in the right state of mind to combat these issues as the president. He grew tired of the unrelenting partisan attacks on his policies and even more so, even his personal character. And these warnings were... Uh, his parting gift to the citizens of the United States to help preserve the sanctity of the Union. And considering how much the times have changed, it is amazing how timeless Washington's advice has been in some regards. These three warnings, whether you really understand what those mean or not, because I don't really understand all of it, but I do know that we're still battling some of those same very things today. Anyway, these th three warnings can certainly be applied in our modern day. Geographic sectionalism has increased in recent years, and you can kind of understand it like this. Those who live in the city and those who dwell 
maybe out in the more rural regions, they don't see life the same way, do they? They don't see life the same way at all, and they tend to have opposing views. And the modern political parties, arguably today, are more divided than they've ever been, with each party inching further towards other extremes. And we can see that as we get into a new um, political season here. The United States has also been subject to foreign interference, particularly in the last few election cycles. So it's logical to conclude that even Washington would have been surprised at the longevity of his words still ringing true over 200 years later. So my point today is sharing this is not like say, is he trying to pull some kind of political thing today? No, that's not what I'm trying to do. I think all of y'all know it's an election year and we can't wait for all of those ads to start, can we? We know it's gonna happen, but rather I want us to think about today how personally maybe we in our lives have ignored some warnings or some advice that someone in our lives has shared with us only to find later in a certain season of our life or a part of our life that we should have listened to them. We should have listened to that advice. We should have listened to that and applied it to our lives. So to illustrate this point even further and to look into the terms, looking at in terms of our spiritual life and our spiritual growth with God, I want us to look at a couple of texts from the Old Testament and through these I hope we can lear learn something as we look back in order to move forward. So I'm going to start with a passage from 1 Samuel chapter 8 and I'm uh, going to read that and it's rather lengthy but I want to read it and listen carefully to what's happening here in the nation of Israel. The last time I preached we talked about how it should have only taken a, a few weeks maybe months for the Israelites to get to the promised land but it took what? 40 years because they weren't ready they needed to be have some character built into them remember they were slaves and you don't turn a million slaves loose into a new land after they don't really aren't really ready for it but as they moved into their new promised land a lot of things developed in the nation of Israel so listen as I read from 1 Samuel 8 when Samuel grew old he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, and they said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses and they will run in front of his chariots. 
Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and to reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord, and the Lord answered, Listen to them and give them a king. And he did. He did. Israel started having kings. And yes, God picked the first king, Saul. And, but today I want to focus on that, just about that request. The Israelites wanted a king. They had experienced leaders, hadn't they? They had Moses. They had Joshua. They had been led by judges after that as we read judges like Deborah and Gideon and Samson. They had a priesthood leadership under Eli and now Samuel. But they wanted a king as their leader. None of those leaders is what they wanted. Why? What did they say was the reason? We want to be like the other nations. We want to be like the other nations. We're looking around at those around us, the surroundings. We want to be like them. They have kings. That's what they want. But why? Well, this is important for us to grasp. The whole reason God had called Israel to be a nation, and not just any nation, and called them out of the slavery they were in, and out of that bondage in Egypt, was to be a nation, but a holy nation. And what does holy mean? It means set apart. It means different. It's not like everybody else. To reflect the character, to reflect the values of the God that they served. But they wanted to reflect not those values and the character of God. They wanted to reflect what was going on around the world. So Samuel, obviously, is very displeased at this. And he goes to God and God says, Hey, they are going against what you have set up. They don't need a king. But interestingly, God does not call down fire and brimstone like he did on Sodom and Gomorrah, does he? He didn't, while like Moses was leader, open up the earth and people were swallowed in it who were leading a rebellion. He simply tells Samuel, listen to all they're saying. It's not you they're rejecting, Samuel. It's not you and the priesthood. They are rejecting me as their God as their king. And they have done it from the day I've brought them out of Egypt until this day. And they've forsaken serving me and serving and starting to serve other gods. And they're now doing this to you. So listen to them. Give them what they want is basically what God says. Give them a king. God knew, didn't he? God knew where this would end up. God understood this. He saw this day coming. He's not surprised. He doesn't seem to be angry about this because as he says, he's watched this progression from day one of choosing Israel as his chosen people. From the day he brought them out of bondage to be this new nation. They have been forsaking God. They've been serving other gods and God understands this. Samuel's angry about it. He doesn't think he should let them do it. But God says, no, let the people have their way. 
And if you look at where this ultimately took Israel, it's a sad history, isn't it? Fascinating, exciting, a lot of drama. If you read the Old Testament and you see all the different leaders and kings, but sad when it comes to reflecting God and his character because we see in the Old Testament this this cycle that goes on and on. We're good with God, then we want more, and we want God to give us more, and we start to look for uh, other ways to get what we want apart from God. And then God sends a prophet or a leader to say, you need to come back to God. And, oh, oh, you're crazy. God didn't tell you to tell us that. What do you know? And then ultimately they end up in bondage again, and then they cry out to God, and God rescues them, and then the cycle starts again. Isn't that the way the Old Testament goes? And as we see that, we go, yeah, they should have listened to God. But what I want us to see here today is is that we're just like them, aren't we? We try to find the things that we want in life outside, apart from God. And God feels that. But you might ask, as I say, well, there were so many bad kings in Israel's history. Well, what about David, Craig? What about Solomon? What about Josiah? Well, these kings certainly had glimpses of following God and his character. Certainly we saw that in David and even Solomon. But we also know that they too followed the very things God told Samuel would bring a nation down. And they claimed their rights along the way just as God said the king would. God knew, didn't he? He knew what would happen. So now I want to go back as we're doing looking back to move forward. I want to look back at Deuteronomy 17. And as God is about to let the Israelites go in to claim their promised land, they are looking forward to this, but God's given them all these laws and reminded them, when you go into this new land, you better understand who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to reflect my character and who I am to the rest of the world because I have parted the way. I have given you that land. They know there's no way you should have been able to win these wars and do what you've done. They know it has to be God that's allowed you to do that. So you need to reflect him. So he's reminding them of this. So Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. Listen to what God had said many, many, many years earlier. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you and have taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, let us set a king over us like all the nations around us. Be sure to appoint a king over you A king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your own fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, but one who is is not an Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back to that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priest. It is to be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees, and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites, and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? God knew, didn't he? God knew you're going to want a king one day. You're going to want someone to rule over you, and this is what the king should be. But as we heard all of those different qualifications... 
He also knew their, the, the desires and the thoughts of the hearts of his people, didn't he? He knew them. And he knew and felt the pain of being rejected in a relationship by those he chose and loved so much. So you can see in that Deuteronomy passage, we can see these principles for picking your leaders. It's someone that seeks God's wisdom. We, as people, when we choose leaders, we should seek God's wisdom and choose leaders that certainly have God's character. People for leadership. And God knows ahead of time who will lead well. And he says leaders are best selected by among those they are leading. He says don't pick somebody from outside. Pick somebody from within. And a leader should not focus on amassing wealth. A leader should be content with his family situation and not look to starting another family or having other relationships outside of his family. A leader must be committed to God's word and character. And a leader must serve in humility. So God laid those out, but what we saw as we saw kings start to develop in the nation of Israel, they certainly didn't do all that. Did any of those things, were any of those things done by the kings of Israel? Well, of course they were. They did amass silver and gold and horses. Um, Solomon had a little bit of a problem with women, didn't he? You know, 300 wives, 700 concubines. Can you imagine the nightmare of Valentine's Day in his house? And they did lead him astray, didn't they? They certainly led him astray. And those who were supposed to keep the copy of what God called them to be. Remember when King Josiah became king and someone found the book of the law that had been tossed aside somewhere for years and years and years. They hadn't even read it. They didn't even know what it was. So certainly God knew what was going to happen. And if you read through the history of the kings of Israel, before the split of the northern and southern kingdoms after Solomon's reign, there were more bad kings than there were good. Even David and Solomon were led astray by looking outside of their own family and people for desires. So I want us to look at another issue for us to look back at in order to look forward as we have looked at these passages today. What about our desires in our own life for something other than God? Or something that we want to have in life, but we want to get it apart from God, outside of God, without God being involved in what we really want. And we do this. We do it all the time. What do we ask God for? And in, and in so doing, we actually reject Him and reject his word, and reject those things that he actually has given to us as gifts. Why do we even pray? Or what do we even pray for in doing these things, and in the, in the process of doing that, we're actually rejecting God, even in our prayers, for some of the things that we ask for? What gifts has God given us that we have said, yeah, we appreciate that, but we want something better. Remember the people of Israel, you know, yeah, we like the manna, but we, we want something different. We're tired of that. We always, we always want something more. And what, God, what gifts has God given to us that we have said, we want to be like other nations. We want something like them, like the other people. And this is where Israel got in trouble. The gifts that God gave them, they eventually rejected. They wanted something outside of God, outside of His will, outside of His plan. And God sometimes gave them those things, just like He told Samuel, we'll give them a king. 
But as we can read, it has consequences. It has consequences for the king and for his family, but also for the nation. It had terrible consequences for Israel. And this is where we get in trouble too. You see, I try to get my desires and my wants met outside of the things that God has given me for my life and his will. I think I know better, don't you? God understands. I see other things and other people. I see the things they have, the way they live. And I want that. And I desire that. And I want those things, but it's not who I am or who God wants me to be, but I still desire those things. And I want to be like the people around me that I see on social media or that have fame and wealth, and I want to be those things. And we know it's true, don't we? I want to be more like that. It starts at a very young age, doesn't it? Our kids, our grandkids, we see they scroll every day and see people that are smarter and better and funnier and more talented than they are and they want to be those things and they're willing to do almost anything to be that even if it means going outside of God and so we reject God and we reject his clear word to be something and someone that I'm really not and I was never created to be I can't really have those things or really be those people but in my desire and rejection of God I still pursue those things which leave me empty and depressed. We have this, pan, uh, I don't know, some kind of epidemic of depression and anxiety, and I don't understand all of that, but a lot of it, I believe, points back to this, is that we try to be something that we're really not and we're never, ever intended to be. And trying to get our desires met outside of God leaves us depressed and anxious. And that's not what God... It's not who God created us to be. Think about how we do this as a nation as we reject God's gifts. At the very fundamental phase of life, look at the gift of life and how it comes into the world. We just celebrated Christmas. Jesus came into the world like all of us did inside of his mother. We don't want that life if it doesn't fit into our plans, do we? And we want the power to choose whether... I can decide whether that life is worth allowing to come into this world. It's my choice. But we want to be like all the other nations or the people around us. God knew, and he has let us have our choice, and we have to live with the consequences of those choices. Look at the gift of God has given us called marriage. And God had a plan for that. It was his gift. It was his creation, marriage. And we reject that marriage a lot of times in our culture is even really necessary to do what we want with another person in a relationship. We don't really need to know that person. We don't really even need to love that person or be committed to that person. In fact, marriage is just a piece of paper in a ceremony, right? Do we really need that? Or if I don't like my marriage, I can just get out of it. I can get another piece of paper to to get out of that. Or maybe we want it to be something else other than what God created it to be as one man, one woman, forever. I don't like that. I want it to be something else. We know better. And our government leaders, our church leaders, and we just heard recently the Catholic Church has said, oh, it's okay, and affirms those kind of things that are Obviously, what God never intended his gift of marriage to be. 
God knew, didn't he? God knew it would come to this. It's not like he's going, I never thought they would do this to marriage. I never thought they would do this to a baby. But God knew. And he's let us have our choice, and we have to live in the consequences of those choices. Now, I brought up a couple of issues that are maybe easy to bring up, but there are certainly not the only ways we reject God and his laws and his word in those two issues. Those may be the issues that we focus on while we ignore other gifts that God has given us or demand for them to be what we want or demand that we be like other people around us. We want to be like them. And when we do that, God feels again, just like he did with the Israelites, the pain of our rejection. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that even though God knew, even though God knows clearly our rejection of him and his word and what's best for us, he still sent Jesus and brought us salvation anyway, didn't he? He did. He pursues us and he stays with us in the incredible messes we make of our lives, of our families, of our relationships, and of our nations. And he still waits like the father in the story of the prodigal son. He waits on the porch for us to come home. And he's not ready to judge us and condemn us, but he's ready to get up and run towards us and embrace us and be glad that we've come home. To come to our senses, to repent and accept his amazing grace and start living and being who he created us to be in the first place. So today I want us to ask ourselves some questions. What in our lives do we need to look back on to move forward in our relationship to God today? God knows you, God knows me, and he loves us and pursues us for eternity For eternity, that's what he did. You know, he died so that we could be with him for eternity, not just to go, okay, I'm just going to die and make it, set it all right, but I really don't want to have relationship with him. No, God wants to be with us for eternity. That's why he brought Jesus. That's why there was the resurrection. That's why there's heaven. So God knows you and he knows me and he knows all of humanity and he still loves us and pursues us, even when we reject him. So this morning I offer the invitation. Maybe there's somebody here today who needs to stop looking around and wishing you were something other than you are today. Wanting more and looking at other flawed humans, sinful humans to be like. And stop that desire, stop that pursuit and come to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Maybe there's someone who needs to do that today. So we're going to offer that invitation. Or maybe you're looking for a church home, and we want in this church, we're certainly not perfect. We certainly make mistakes, but we want to always pursue God's word and what he wants for our lives, for our lives. And we want to never stop pursuing that and sharing that gospel message that Jesus pursues us. So James is going to come and lead us if you have a decision to make this morning. I know there's some folks that are coming. If there's others, I'll be right here to try to walk you through it. So let's stand and sing as James leads us.
chorus again. Trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Alright, if y'all be seated for just a minute. John, come on up. I want to introduce to you John Zick and uh, John's been uh, worshiping and serving, been involved with our men's Bible studies for uh, several months now. Mm-hmm. And John and I have had some great talks, haven't we? Yeah. And I really appreciate John coming in and getting to know him and getting to know his background. And so I know uh, you coming today has been something that you've thought a lot about, you've prayed about, you've consulted uh, people that you know love you and care about you. Yes. So um, John has decided to join Southwest. I want you to take my hand, John. And I want you to say what I know you believe. You're a baptized believer, as I told you Tuesday. You are a follower of Jesus. And I want you just to repeat what I know you believe. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living. My life. And my life. Welcome to Southwest. Okay. All right. L and L. Y'all come on up. Okay. Lynn and Lois Menninger have come today, and of course, y'all have been uh, serving and worshiping with us for several months now as well, and um, what I want to say is I'm very glad you're here. I know y'all are baptized believers, Um, but what I'm most impressed with is the people that welcomed you when you first came here. That's what they talked about when we met this week, is you, uh, when they first came in, made them feel so welcome and connected and invited them to Sunday school and the lunch and learn and all those things, and I know y'all love the church, love the Lord, and so I'm going to ask y'all to say the same thing together as husband and wife, and I know you believe, baptized believers, I believe 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 that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus Jesus is is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Son Son of the the living God, God. my Lord, my my Savior, my Savior, and my life, and my life, welcome to Southwest, thank you. And uh, I, it, it just very much encourages me when I hear those kind of things, is how people welcomed, uh, and y'all do a great job with that. The church cannot be the church without people doing that and saying, we pursue you. We want you to be a part of this church family, so we're very thankful for that. I want to have just share a couple of announcements with us. Before I do that, are uh, the Martins in here? I thought I saw them. Yeah, y'all come on up just for a minute. This is D. Martins, our new uh, youth minister, and uh, I want to just introduce him and his family, so y'all get to kind of put a name with a face. And I know the kids really enjoy this kind of thing, don't they? <laughs> so this is D. Martin, not Dean Martin. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, and Christy, his wife and daughter Evie, who is 15, right? And John, who is just turned 11. Is that right, John? Okay. So we are very grateful to have y'all very much, and we hope everybody will get to know y'all. And the good thing about this is you see he has in, he's invested here, not only in our kids, but in his own kids, you know, so that's, that's really, really important. So um, uh, I just want to thank y'all for being a part of Southwest, and they are going to be out in the lobby right after this. Y'all go ahead and make your way there in just a minute, and y'all please go by and, and welcome them and, and uh, make them feel welcome here. 
Thank y'all very much. We're glad you're here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Can just make a few announcements. I want to remind y'all about uh, Lunch and Learn started back this week. You're doing a great job with that. We love having that on our midweek. And uh, also our fuel started back on Wednesday um, for uh, a Wednesday nights. And you can sign up out in the lobby for both of those. And Grief Share will start this week at right after dinner. And uh, uh, Shirley McCauley and James and Mike will be leading that once again. And that starts on Wednesday night. We will have a congregational meeting. just want to keep you all uh, on our budget on the 28th in order to uh, uh, vote on our new budget for the 2024 year. We will have that congregational meeting after both services on the 28th. And we'll have a, uh, a town hall meeting on Wednesday night before that for any of you all that have questions with our, our finance team. I think that's all I'm going to announce today. But thank you all so much for being here. If you are visiting for the first time, we are so glad you're here. If you'd like to know more about the church and we'd like to know more about you, you can go to our Connection Corner, which is right out these doors and to the right. And please go by and say hello to the Martins as well. Let's be standing, and uh, I'm going to close this in prayer, and then we'll have the doxology led by James. Father God, thank you for your word that lets us have a window into the lives of people that lived thousands of years before us but as we look at their lives in a different part of history in a different part of the world we see that they're really not much different than us and we desperately need you as our God and as we look back on some of the mistakes they've made we can see ourselves and realize how we reject you and how that must hurt you but father we thank you for the God that you are even when we don't reflect your character you still sent your son Jesus to die for us and to show us that we really needed a Savior, and we do. Father, help us to remember that. Help us not to reject you. Help us not to constantly be looking around at, at all these desires of the world that you never intended for us to have, and help us to be content with you and what we have. Thank you for that reminder through your word today, and we pray as we go out we will be salt and light in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.